Welcome to the Co-Founders Podcast, real-life stories from startups to billion-dollar iconic brands, conversations with industry disruptors and inspiring leaders, brought to you in part by WeWork, the world's largest network of co-working spaces. More info at WeWork.com and the Pro Business Channel, uploading the future. More info at ProBusinessChannel.com. Now let's join our host and guests on this episode of the Co-Founders Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Chisholm. I am with Pro Business Channel, where we convert business conversations to content. We interview industry leaders with innovative ideas and inspiring stories. Um, business topics frequently covered include law, finance, healthcare, technology, trade shows, B2B, marketing, venture capital, training and development, and other issues impacting the business community right here in Georgia. So we are super excited that all of you guys can join us here tonight. We really appreciate you coming out um, and supporting us and our very first on-site broadcast of the Co-Founders and Startups podcast with a live audience. <laughs> Before we start, I'd like to give a special thanks to our event partners and sponsors. First, we have WeWork, workspace, community, and services for a global network of creators. They are the largest collaborative workspace with over 100 locations across seven different countries. Next, we have Co-Founders Lab, the fastest way to meet and connect with over 300,000 entrepreneurs, whether you're looking to build your team, learn, or network with top-notch entrepreneurs. Later tonight, we'll be experiencing the Co-Founders matchup held in 45 cities and five countries. The event connects co-founders, advisors, and interns to build strong core startup teams. Um, next, we have 410 Media, Atlanta Corporate Videography. Collaborate and create your message, your vision, your brand, your audience. Video marketing, that works. And a special thanks to Grant Hill. <laughs> He is the head of our Pro Business Channel events. He has created, organized, and promoted networking events that total over 1,000 attendees. And next we have Steven Tyler, head of Pro Business Productions. Woo! <laughs> this is Steven. He produces and edits all of our studio shows. So check out his skills on our YouTube channel. And also a special shout out to our social media reporters joining us tonight. So thank you. Now I will go into introducing our five panelist members. Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, we have Sangram Vadre, who's a co-founder of Terminus, author of Account-Based Marketing, founder of Hashtag Flip My Funnel. Everybody who's here to support Sangram, go ahead and give him a round of applause. Woo! <laughs> so um, Sangram has quickly built a reputation as a leading mind in B2B marketing. He is a co-founder of Terminus, a SAAS platform for account-based marketing, the author of Account-Based Marketing for Dummies, and is the mastermind behind Hashtag Flip My Funnel. So <laughs> I rehashed that, right? <laughs> also, we have Cassius Butts. Everybody give a shout out to Cassius. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. So Cassius, he is an accomplished business executive with over 25 years of private, public, and not-for-profit experience. He brings a unique skill set in having served in corporate leadership positions and two presidential administrations. In 2017, Cassius accepted the prestigious role as executive in residence at the J. Mack Robinson College of Business at Georgia State University. Thank you. 
Awesome. Next, we have Jim Beach. Jim Beach is a keynote speaker, SBA award-winning radio host, and McGraw-Hill best-selling author of School for Startups. As a a keynote speaker, he has represented um, different topics as diverse as growing cells, personal development, healthcare transparency, marketing to children, ethical hacking, and a new way to look at entrepreneurship. And next we have Matthew Theory. So Matthew Theory um, represents um, arbitration and mediation. He is also registered as arbitrator and general civil mediator with Georgia Supreme Court Commission on Dispute Resolution. Matt's strong litigation background combined with the training ideally is situate Matt to assist others and help them resolve their disputes either through mediation or arbitration. He is also the host of DMQ's radio show, Planning Successfully. Matt and his guests discuss topics of interest relating to startup businesses, existing businesses, business owners, and business executives. All right. And lastly, we have Jay Cornelius. He is with Nine Labs. If you're looking for a digital A team to bring your ideas to life and help you reach your business goals, you're in the right place. User experience design, digital strategy, interface design, application prototyping, brand naming and identity, and marketing um, microbytes. Or microsite, sorry. <laughs> and he's also with Atlanta Web Design. So with over 3,000 and 300 members, the Atlanta Web Design Group is a leading organization of Atlanta professionals in the greater Atlanta area. Monthly events on a broad range of topics relevant, relevant to the modern web professional. So thank you guys all. Everybody, please give one more hand clap for all of our guests being here tonight. And we appreciate you all for being here. So um, next, we will get into our moderators for tonight's event. We have Craig Williams. <laughs> He is the VP of Media Partnerships, not only an awesome co-host of Co-Founders Podcast, but an amazingly talented guy who brings a big picture to BBC to the forefront of the local and global business community, also being an inspiration to everyone who crosses his path. Thank you, Craig. And Rich Casanova, previous founder of Atlanta Business Networking and Netwining.com, began his broadcasting career in California where he also ran a successful entertainment company whose staff and crew entertain over 100,000 people. Most recently, Rich is a co-founder and chief operations officer of an online platform called the Pro Business Channel, a talk radio format with a pro-business perspective interviewing thought leaders in our business community. So thank you guys all for being here. I will pass the mic on to Grant. All right, how about a round of applause for Elizabeth? Yeah, excellent, awesome. And I've just been uh, given the big announcement tonight. Pizza is here, right? <laughs> All right, so pizza's out there. So help yourselves to some pizza while we get this uh, conversation underway. We appreciate your patience for the introduction. A lot of that was um, uh, really important for our live broadcast of the Co-Founders Podcast uh, show. So we appreciate that. And uh, again, welcoming all of our uh, panelists. Uh, let's begin the um, uh, process now of having some conversations with some of these experts we have here. We're going to start with Sangram. So as we mentioned, uh, you're the co-founder of Terminus. Tell us a bit about uh, Terminus and what y'all's uh, objective and mission there. Sure. Uh, so before I get into that, Terminus is the original name of the city of Atlanta. How many of you guys knew that? Now we do, yeah. Now you guys <laughs> do. 
All right. So uh, really excited to have that name and being in Atlanta it really helps. Uh, Terminus is the first account-based marketing platform out there. So you think about uh, the biggest challenge that exists in B2B marketing, which is that only less than or less than one percent of the leads turn into customers. So the lead marketing hasn't really been working in B2B. So we came up with a new model called the Flip My Funnel, and we challenged the status quo of B2B marketing and sales using our Terminus platform. Awesome, and we're going to definitely delve into account-based marketing. But first, uh, as co-founders in startups, which this is a co-founders lab event as well as the co-founders podcast live, talk to us about um, early best practices uh, in establishing those new accounts. Yeah, uh, it's extremely hard, right? Everybody in co-found, you know, you start a company, you know, it's extremely hard to get the first set of customers. I remember calling my friend and said, "Hey, you know, do you want to buy this thing?" And he said, "Of course not." Uh, so I learned a very early lesson: don't sell to your friends. And then we went, we started to try to raise money. The first 10 customers were friends who did not pay anything. You can't really raise money when you're, 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 nobody's paying money. We learned another lesson along the way. So one thing that we learned really uh, in a hard way is that when we want to get the first set of customers or when you really want to create a new market, which is what we created using uh, Terminus and account-based marketing, what's really important is to have a face-to-face -face conversation, especially in B2B. And I personally feel like I, we fell in love with events. We started to do a series of events called Flip My Funnel across multiple different cities. We did in Atlanta, uh, San Francisco, Chicago, Boston, Austin. And we learned that when you bring the right group of people together uh, and you talk about the problem, not your product, a lot of people listen to you. So we didn't go out there and saying that this is a terminus conference. We said we want to do a Flip My Funnel conference, which was challenging the status quo of B2B marketing and sales. Um, Hundreds of people showed up. Like every single conference we did, we have six, 700 people coming to the conference. There are 30, 40 sponsors that we had, and we learned a very valuable lesson. The first set of customers are not going to come from just cold calling. They're going to come when they believe in the problem that you believe, and they can see the passion that you have to solve that problem. They're going to buy from you, and that's how we started with the first set of customers. All right, and we're definitely going to um, circle back around and talk about uh, account-based marketing because we're going to roll through the rest of the panelists as far as startup, the early stages, and so forth. And then once we've established those businesses, let's talk about managing those, right? So, uh, Craig, you have a couple of questions for Cassius, I believe. So, Cassius, um, tell us a little bit about early strategies as far as the foundation, uh, pushing forward on your business plan and your ideas. Uh, so, before coming into tonight's uh, um, opportunity, I served as regional administrator for the U.S. Small Business Administration uh, with the Obama administration. I was responsible for supporting the eight states in the southeast and making certain they had access to capital. And, and $30 billion worth of capital, right? Yeah, if I just billion. speak for your... Yeah. $30 billion. <laughs> $30 billion. A record $30 billion too. I'm telling you. Uh, but it just really meant that a lot of more... A lot of people are starting to invest into them themselves and, uh, and really... Just entrepreneurship is huge. And so how do you do that? You really have to start off with working with, in some cases, a business plan. In some cases, uh, we have resource partners at that time with SBA. We also had folks we work with at our small business development centers and some great consultants there. I think I saw Michael Moore here Michael from Moore's small business. In the back. Here's Moore, Michael. There he Give is. A round of applause for Michael Moore, yeah, please. Our host yeah. for a bucket <laughs> business <laughs> show. That's yeah. right. He's the uh, past president of the BBA as well as host for the Buckhead Business Show. That's right. That's right. And so... We connect, and we and Craig. So what we try to do is try to get you to realize that you don't always have to come out your back pocket to start your business. You know there are resources that are available to you, um, and we try to find those resources for you through our small business development centers, um, SBA, the staff there, 
uh, can help you with that as well. Women Business Center. If you're a woman and you're in business, uh, there's a center located at Kennesaw State University called the Edge Connection. Uh, great, great resource. And so that's typically what we what we do. And we try to get you on the right path and then allow you to, to drive the rest of the way. When it comes to funding outside of the SBA, what are some of the other resources that you've uh, touched and, and allow people to find? Sure. So, so Craig, it's kind. Uh, when, when I left uh, midsummer this year, I gave my announcement that I was leaving the administration. I'd served in the Bush administration as a presidential management fellow, and I used to run the Southeast Division for HUD. Uh, and so came over to SBA, took those years there, and so I left with 15 years of, of retirement. I say all that to say this, is that now I'm doing it for myself, working and starting my own firm as CFP Advisors. But what we do, we try to help you with access to capital. Because sometimes you may not know that there are certain programs that are available for you. For example, uh, Fulton County, actually the city of Atlanta has a, a program that's available uh, uh, through Invest Atlanta. If you're located within the city limits, uh, they actually give you assistance and guidance to help you to start uh, your business. Uh, they actually give you the funds for that. Um, and so this is something to really kind of take a look at. I think it's huge. If you have an opportunity really to say, I want to invest in myself, take a look at where you live first. So if your city, your jurisdiction have funds that can invest in you. Uh, other funds that are available, there's um, uh, entities such as, of course, the Apples, the, the, the Microsofts of the world, uh, the, the Googles of the world. But particularly, I always say, look in your community first. There's always dollars available for you that you can say, hey, I didn't know. But so your, your municipal uh, is, is looking for ways to help you to start and grow your business because, of course, it helps their economy. Most definitely. And since you um, don't have your toll-free number available, are you giving out your, your personal uh, number with your social security, security number yeah. have access to you. No, we just need to contact him. We don't. So, need so certainly, I have uh, I have an email address now at uh, uh, that I can give out that I can use, and, and I'll leave that information here. Uh, Outstanding. At, so I, I have to make a shameless plug. It's not shameless, but it is Jake Mack uh, Col uh, College of Business, Robinson College of Business at Georgia State University. Bill Panthers. That's right. It's uh, it, wonderful opportunity to start and grow your business, whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur or a seasoned entrepreneur. Uh, we're trying to find ways of connecting these students and also just persons who are looking to make a difference. And so uh, looking to forward, you'll hear more about that. In fact, we'll be on the next show, hopefully. Of course. Yeah, definitely. And, it, and you get a lot of that help around here at WeWork and Co-Founders Lab and Pro Business Channel as well. So it's interesting, uh, Cash, there's a couple of comments you made. Uh, so as all those years in government and the connections that you have, and now you're um, in residence right at Georgia State. Right. But it's also interesting... Um, CFB is your new strategy company, right? It is. Okay. It is. And yeah. so you're basically a startup dude now, yeah, right? That's right. That's right. I'm <laughs> but you have all the 15 years of retirement funding behind you, yeah. It put it all together. <laughs> and uh, besides myself and my, my four new friends up here, yeah. we're, we're going to make some good You got good the legal happen. term, you got the, you got the web, you got uh, the startup advice. And so, uh, Marketing. And Cash has made a comment about the uh, the women entrepreneurs, and we want to, for um, true transparency, we invited a handful of women to be on the panelist. So our next one will yeah. be all women. Yeah, that's, that's the plan. Yeah, here, here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, we had Jen ben Jen Bonet uh, at uh, Georgia Tech was our in our inaugural episode in our show, and she was scheduled to be here. And three or four other ladies, they're all just out of town and all kinds of stuff. So uh, they're making so, uh, things happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were. So the women's are out there making it happen. Yeah. Okay, so we'll, uh, we'll definitely, so we didn't want anybody to uh, think otherwise. All right, so um, Jim Beach, uh, talk to us now about um, these first 90 days. Uh, we have a lot of co-founders co of startups here, obviously, this evening. Uh, you're the author of a School for Startups. You also have a show that is syndicated in 12 markets, I believe. 
I was actually on your show a while back, and you've been in the studio, but talk to us about um, some uh, pitfalls or some um, things to look out for during the first 90 days and some advice. Uh, thanks for having me. I am obsessed with the value proposition, the ability to explain in one sentence why I am better than you or why you should buy from me. So, for example, you mentioned I'm a McGraw-Hill author. You've heard the story. I submitted 200 proposals and got 199 rejections. And finally, a publishing company decided to publish my book. I submitted one proposal to the largest publishing company in the world and had a deal the week later. Uh, when I was in my 20s, I started a business that grew to 700 employees. And the value proposition for that business was so overwhelmingly appealing to people that... You know, we grew to 700 employees in seven years and started with zero money, startup capital. And I'll, I'll give you that value proposition and see if it appeals to you. How many of you have children, first of all? Only parents can listen to this. <laughs> About half of you. If you had an unhappy child and I could promise that I would make your child happy, would you sign up for that program? And of course, all of you say, yes, I was an unhappy kid. I hated life as a child. And... Therefore, I knew that the value proposition would really resonate. When I'm starting a business now, I focus entirely on that. And if my value proposition is sexy and compelling enough, you're going to buy from me. Pretty simple. All right. Um, that's, that's very compelling. All right. Um, so talk to us about the importance of content and media, because you've definitely created a brand for yourself, and I have this in media platforms. So uh, speak to us on that. All right, another topic I'm very passionate about. When I published my McGraw-Hill book, I was devastated that there wasn't like the author tour. You know, you didn't get invited to 30 cities. Uh, you know, that's for Tom Clancy and people like that. And so Some I of our to, clients now. We, we do that stuff for you, so Greg, we can help you Greg out. Greg will help you okay, with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Neil, Neil's here too. Yeah, he'll take care of you. Well, I have another book coming out soon. You can help me with that. Uh, and so I had to do radio by myself to promote the book. And... I had to go out and book all of my own interviews and find out how to get the word out about my product. And a publicist, an average publicist, will charge $500 or $1,000 and get you on four radio shows in a month. I booked myself on 150 radio shows in six months for free, all because of going out there with an incredibly sexy value proposition. I was in the Wall Street Journal, Entrepreneur Magazine, CNN called me, and I don't know if this is an insult or a compliment, called me the Simon Cowell of small business. Uh, I think that's an insult, isn't yes, it? Yes, and both. Yeah. 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 So yes, anyway. Yes, Simon, yeah. Uh, no, that's good. That's good. The, sort of the takeaway from this, and I hope there's no publicist in here because I'm about to make you hate me, you can get on 150 shows by yourself in three or four months. It's really easy to do and I can teach you how to do it in five seconds. It's uh, going out there. I would spend all Sunday on Google, doing Google searches all Sunday long while I was watching football or the Real Housewives of Atlanta, whatever I was watching, and send out emails to those people. I have a radio show. I'm on every single day, which means I need to interview 15 of you a week, which means that I'm desperate for content. All of us who have content production shows are desperate to find good guests. And if you can be sexy, unique, and compelling, we're going to put you on our show. That's all, It was six months of my life. That's all I did. But the book went to number nine on the bestseller list, not in its category, number nine on all of the lists because of that. And that turned into a radio show, and now I'm rich and famous. <laughs> 
So, uh, so Jim, I have to ask. Oh, I was on your show. Was I unique, sexy, or compelling? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all of the above. Oh, Rick. good answer. Yeah, yeah. I take two out of three. Yeah, ladies. All right, here we go. So, um, so Craig, uh, you have another guest you'd like to um, uh, introduce? Yes, I do. Matt, Matt Mr. Matt Theory. Um, Matt, tell me this: uh, business contracts, pitfalls, and pointers. What what are the top four? Wow. Anybody see Craig, or is he just? You don't uh, yeah, come on out here, dude. Yeah, I can barely see you. Whatever. Yeah, oh, I dude. Yeah. Stand up on <laughs> this. The wizard there of you go. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Because there's one. Where's this voice coming from? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So business contracts. I think uh, you know the number one hang up with a business contract is read it. Uh, you need to know what it says. Uh, if you don't read it and you sign it, you know you're you're asking for trouble. I mean, you, is that why we pay you though? Don't it, you? you that's yeah, that's why you should. That's yeah, right. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> but the the real the reality of it is, you know, you talk to the other person you're going to to enter into this contract with, and you think you know what you're going to enter into the contract about, and you make promises to one another in the negotiations, and it comes down to a piece of paper gets put on the table, and you say, go ahead and sign right here. Well, a lot of people don't spend any time reviewing that contract or having somebody with experience review that contract, and instead, they sign the contract and move on. Well, of course, what are they trying to accomplish? They're trying to move business forward. They don't want to slow anything down. They need to keep the train moving forward. Well. The problem is if the train's moving forward and you're not on the right track, you're heading into a wall. And the, the reality is you can stop that from happening if you take the time to read it and make sure that the deal you're making is the deal you thought you were making. And the re one of the things that I think is in almost every contract is what, what I would call an integration clause. Some other folks would call it a merger clause or an entire agreement clause. But what it basically says is this paper has the entire agreement. And... If it's not in this paperwork, it's not a part of our agreement. Even if we talked about it before and I promised it to you before, you're not relying on anything outside of what's in this document. Well, you sign that agreement, that's your agreement. And, it, you know, those, those prior understandings are gone. So, you know, when, when Joe doesn't do what Joe said he was going to do and he's only doing what's in the contract, you're out of luck. So that's you recorded it, right? Sorry? Unless you recorded it. Well, no, because if it's recorded, it's still an oral an oral agreement that you made before you signed the agreement, and that that integration clause will most likely say all prior agreements are superseded by this. So anything we said on this subject matter is gone. This is it. So you can record it. You could have drafts of contracts going back and forth that had that language in it. You could have emails going back and forth that say this is what we're going to do. If you sign a contract after that time that says this is it, that's it. So that's, I think, the number one hang-up that uh, people don't understand is they think they're, you know, it used to be the good old handshake was enough for a contract. Well, that's not really how it works. And um, you may get away with it five times out of ten, six times out of ten. Hey, maybe if you're lucky, you get out at ten times out of ten. But sooner or later, it's going to catch up with you. And if you're not careful, it, it costs a lot more money to fix that problem than it does to prevent that problem. You know, if you, you take the time on the front end, and you, you go to somebody who has experience with contracts and knows what you're trying to accomplish and understands what you're doing, they look at it and they say, is this what you meant? Is this what you meant? What is this? Why would you agree to this? You're kind of questioning you and challenging you on what the terms of those, those contracts are. You get the contract you want, or you walk away from it if it's not what you want, but at least you know what you're doing, and you don't run into a situation later on. As I said, it's a lot more expensive to fix things on the back end than it is to plan for them on the front end. So I think that's the number one. Uh, you know, the, the other things with contracts are, you know, 
limitations of liability or indemnifications or these terms that when when I read them, I know what they mean because I deal with them every day. When you read them, you read past them saying, eh, that doesn't really apply to me. And uh, it may. And you know, you, it's, it, it kind of falls back to number one, knowing what you're signing. But the reality of it is there are a lot of terms out there that have a lot of consequences that may only occur in certain circumstances, but when they occur, they're pretty substantial. Uh, the third one, I think, is make sure you're signing a contract with somebody that has the authority to bind the other party. Uh, you know, it, just because somebody comes in the room and says, here's the contract, I've signed it, you sign it, they, they may not have any authority whatsoever to bind that company to perform under that contract. And now you're getting into an argument about what, whether or not that company subsequently ratified that contract or whether or not it, you, you're just, you've ca caused yourself a mess that you're trying to find your way out of. So I think that's another biggie. And uh, was that four? I don't know if that was four. I keep talking. You hit, you hit him. And, yeah. and, and you all tune into his show because he talks more than that on his show, folks. <laughs> Much in depth. All right. Um, so Jay Cornelius, talk to us about online uh, marketing. It's your wheelhouse, your um, expertise. What are some, for startups, people just getting underway, um, what do you find some of their biggest challenges are, and how do you help those folks? So first, it's, it's not actually marketing as much as it is experience design. So we don't do marketing in the context that you think about billboards and banner ads and pay-per-click and all that kind of stuff. What we do is more brand strategy and helping people understand their customer. And you were talking about value proposition is one of the fundamental things that we do is a value proposition exercise to make sure that you understand the customer's needs, the customer's pain points, and you have a product or service that can directly address those, then you can start talking about how you address their pains and needs with your product. That's your marketing message. And that's more of a strategic play for us than it is anything else. Uh, Where'd he go? Where did uh, Rich go? Um, right here. We're going to be taking some questions from the audience here in just a moment here. So, But first of all... Um, so it's web design is a big part of what you spend your day in, right? And, um, well, di digital design. So it's okay. not just websites. It's application design. It's user interface design. Um, a lot of our work, we, we tell our clients that we take you from the back of a napkin to a functional prototype that you can go build. So if you've got an idea, you come in, we whiteboard it, we go through all this process, we figure out what needs to be built. We try to make expensive mistakes when they're cheapest. We try to make as many mistakes as we possibly can before you go raise capital, before you go spending a lot of money. So you have a really solid idea of what you're going to build, how you're going to build it, how long it's going to take, how much it's going to cost before you have any kind of conversations with investors, before you go and really put any, any significant money into the product. We also want to validate that with real customers before you actually build anything. We use paper prototypes so we can go into a coffee shop or a place like this with a notebook that has a bunch of different screens for an application and test that on paper. And if we make a mistake, we just scratch through it. We don't have to pay a developer tens of thousands of dollars to rewrite the application. So we try to make all those mistakes very early, prototype things, test things, validate our assumptions, and make sure that you're actually going to be spending your money in the right spot. All right, and uh, finally, talk to us about this organization that has 3,000 members here in Atlanta. Yeah, the Atlanta Web Design Group. When I first moved back to Atlanta in 2008, I was trying to find the web community, and it didn't really exist. So we went on Meetup, and we started one. Uh, the first event had about this number of people, and we've been doing events for the past eight years, and that's grown steadily. There's people from independent freelance web designers all the way up to 
uh, C-level executives at big companies that come to these events and participate. We fly speakers in from all over the world that come and talk about interesting things to design and developers in, in the digital world. All right, so, um, so let's uh, turn our attention back to uh, Sangram just for a minute. So pick back up where we left off. Of, um, now that we've heard some advice, some insight as far as uh, startups, uh, co-founders, and how they're getting underway, um, let's revisit this account-based marketing. So uh, fast forward, we have, uh, well, let me ask, this, I don't know if it's a dumb question. How many accounts might someone have before they start managing them? Answers might be one. I don't know, but depends. Like, what's the size of your, the deal that you're trying to close, right? Okay. So there are companies that uh, I'll tell you tell you a quick story. There was uh, there was a company who only sold to all the air, airlines because they only built airlines parts, right? That's all they built, and they wanted to start writing blog and do a whole bunch of stuff. And the question was like, why would you do that? Like, there are only so many companies to whom you can actually sell airline parts, right? They're like, you can count, like everybody in the room can come up with a list. So in those cases, that's when you do account-based marketing, when you know the account, it's called your named account, right? So in a B2B perspective, if you know which accounts you're going to go after, that's what you focus on. Now, if you're selling a consumer product, well, of course, you don't know who you're going after, right? You're going after any and everybody, like your Nike or something like that, then you don't do account-based marketing. Um, so it really depends on the size of the deal. The other part uh, is really how big uh, the decision committee is. So if you talk to any B2B company, uh, if you're talking to an SMB size, there might be like two people in the decision-making process. You go to a mid-sized company, there might be like seven people. If you go to an enterprise company, there might be like 15 people as part of the decision-making process. And when that happens, you need to get your message, your value prop, not only in front of the person who's going to sign the deal, but all the other people who are going to influence the deal. Because there are all these people sitting in a room trying to make a decision on a product that they're going to buy uh, that have no relationship with the person who's selling the product. And now the way to do that is make sure that every single person in that account at least knows who you are and what your value proposition is from a company perspective. And that's brand building, right? And B2C has been doing that forever, but B2B really sucks at it. Because we believe that, well, we're selling to... Uh, businesses, so we don't need to really build a brand. We need to have a just a big sales process, and the sales guy is going to close the deal. But what really matters is that every single person that you're trying to sell that in that company knows about your brand. That's how you differentiate. That's what brand building is for B two B. A lot of companies really miss out on it. And I understand you have a book, an ebook on this, right? An actual book. An actual book. Okay. Not the bestseller. Uh, <laughs> we'll work on that. Talk to Jim. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that this happen. guy over here. Uh, but uh, I, I, down I downloaded a copy of it, right? Yeah. From yeah, the site. Uh, so we also have like an online like yeah, yeah. digital book. So Wiley's published it. Uh, it's called the Account Based Marketing Book. Uh, it's the first ever book uh, on account based marketing. I was very surprised nobody wrote on this topic. And now uh, we were very fortunate. We grew from uh, zero employees to now about eighty employees in the last two years. We went from uh, zero, thank you, yeah. and there's like you know, three of us over here, so we're excited. We went, uh, we raised about uh, 10 million in uh, VC firm, a VC fund, and we have gone from zero to a million in annual recurring revenue in the first year, and last year we went to, you know, you know we grew 5x. Dang. Uh, so from a revenue perspective, it's been really good, and all of that is because we have started to focus on the right accounts. We're not going after everybody out there. If we're going after the accounts, that matter to us, that we can close deals with, and the one that actually we think have the best chance to close that deal, really going back to the value prop. All right. 
Well said, uh, gentlemen. So we're going to, um, but one more round of questions. We're going to open up to the entire panel. But before we do that, um, we want to, um, we're going to field some questions from the audience. Here's how this is going to work. We passed out in advance uh, some forms that you can submit as far as a question. So if you'll just raise your hand and let us know that you have a form that you'd like to submit a question. We have some uh, folks here, volunteers, uh, that are going to take those forms and direct them towards Elizabeth. So if you're a volunteer, Grant, and so forth, um, if you would just raise your hand so we know you have a form. And then with your hand raised, uh, we'll collect those forms here for you. Okay. So while you're collecting those forms, Elizabeth and Grant, uh, let's turn our attention back to the panel. And uh, be, be, remind me before we wrap up, because we are live on the podcast, this will be evergreen and so forth, and syndicated across our 12 platforms. Uh, we're very excited. Pro Business Channel is a startup ourselves, if you will, one year and counting. Uh, we've hit over 500, we're close to the mark of a 500 million downloads. Uh, we just did our Alexa ranking. We, uh, we're, I'm still getting chills over this one here, but we're actually in the top 1% of all websites on the planet. There's 1.3 billion websites. Yeah, so we're very excited awesome. about that. And what we attribute that to is these folks, uh, most of the panelists here have been, on, have been in our studio or some of our, uh, our broadcast events, as well as some folks in the audience, and it's by you guys sharing that, right, and getting the word out. So that's where really uh, the magic happens, because we haven't uh, spent any money uh, on uh, the traditional route. So uh, look, we're going to wrap one more round, rapid fire here question. So a lot of businesses, uh, part of their challenge might be is we want to give back. Let's talk about that. Nonprofits and giving back to the community. So um, sometimes it's a question of bandwidth, right? And at what? So talk to us. Um, start with Matt. We'll just work our way down here. So uh, or whoever wants to raise your hand, because um, uh, you may have some comment or, or just raise your hand. We'll pass you the mic. As far as what stage makes sense for you to um, be able to give back, and what are some opportunities either you're doing or suggestions you'd give to startups and co-founders? So just ready, set, go. Sure. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of I'm a, I'm a little bit different in the sense that. Uh, my law firm's been around for 47 years, so we're not exactly a startup anymore. Uh, and I think the giving back proposition from, from my business is really on an individual level. And I think that that could be the giving back proposition for any business, whether you're starting out today or you've been around for 47 years. And that is, what are you passionate about? What do you want, what do you want to be involved with? You know, one of the things that I'm passionate about is Boy Scouts. Uh, my, cub, my, my two boys are in Cub Scouts. And, you know, so I'm very involved in the Cub Scout program, and I have uh, one of my fellow Cub Scout leaders, Costa Averdopoulos, is here with me today. Uh, you know, he's giving back in the same way, and he and he is a tech startup. So you know, it, it's it's different for me than it is for him. He his time is is very much focused on growing his business. Mine's maintaining and growing, but uh, you know, everyone has time to do something, and it, whether it's large or small, whether it costs a lot or it costs your time. Um, there's always an opportunity to give back to the community. Yeah. You know, at some level, I don't understand the question. As a human being, you're supposed to be giving back long before you start a business or become an entrepreneur, right? You're supposed to be doing something now, regardless of whether you're an entrepreneur. You should be doing something for your church or something. Uh, I've been a Mason, you know, the guys with the stupid hats and the tiny cars in the parade. Uh, I've been doing that uh, since I was uh, eligible to join and that's something I'm very active in. I teach class every Sunday for the Thai organization, TYE, which is the Indus Entrepreneur, the youth part of that. I teach that over at Westminster High School. I've been doing that for 10 years. In my business, I started my business when I was 24. Uh, we started tithing day one, for lack of a better word. We gave away 10% of our business uh, every year. When we made $56,000 our first year, revenue was $56,000 first year. We gave away $6,000 in free stuff. 
So I think you're supposed to be doing it now, regardless of whether you have a business to give away from. Your person, go give away. Um, I, I, I think it's uh, for for me. It's about. Yeah, I don't. I also don't understand the question because I don't think it's about giving back. I think we gain a lot more when we actually do it. Um, so we, as a startup, you know, we have Parma Learning. Have you anybody heard about Parma Learning? So if you're not, go check it out. It's called Power My Learning, and it's uh, it's a great organization. My personal passion is around education. I I don't think I'll be sitting here right now. I feel so honored to be here. Um, it's because of the education. If I didn't have the education, I would be nowhere. So I feel like that is something everybody needs to have. And we hear that kids literally in Georgia are not actually getting access to education. That literally kind of hurts, right? So we had Parma Learning come to one of our conferences and actually do a keynote. Uh, so everybody understood about that organization as opposed to just, you know, being just part of that and gave them a booth at our own conference so people know about it. So we did a few things, but at the end of the day, it's actually more for me and more for our every single person within the company. We also do something which is called the Terminator of the Month, which is two people in the company is, uh, you know, people... Term, Terminator of the Month, you said? Yeah. The Terminator. Well, yeah, we yeah. call ourselves Terminator. I get it, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> so uh, we do a Terminator of the Month, like two people get it, and they get to choose the choice of charity they want to put 100 bucks to. So every single month, two people from the company give 100 bucks each to two different charities. But all that to say that it's really more for us, right? We feel like it's getting back to us, it's getting back to the roots. Uh, it's not, I don't think it's about giving back, it's actually gaining a lot back. We're going to rewrite this question next time, but yeah, let's go with this one for now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Thanks, Jim, yeah. Hope you enjoyed your first, last time on the panel, yeah. You, um, you actually talked a lot about... Um, the giving back part. And the giving back comes in many forms or fashions. Um, part of it is mentoring. Uh, if you are actually working with someone who's looking to do what you do, I've been asked this question, oh, how, how do I get to, you know, to work in this area of government? How do I get to work in this area of business? And so mentoring has been something that's huge for me. It has been for many years. Um, I had several mentors and still have, well, I'm past 40 now, so they're advisors. Um, call them advisors now, but I have a, 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 a group of advisors that helped me to make some really sound decisions. With that, um, I took the initiative uh, to start a foundation, um, a 501c3 called the Strategic, the Institute for Strategic Achievement. And the institute is just more or less about having like-minded individuals come together to help solve domestic and international challenges. And so when you think about giving back, when people who are aspiring see you actually working in a place that's, not, that's outside of your realm of your nine to five, um, that's where you really make a difference. I had to make one statistic. I used to use this all the time at SBA. Over 98% of the economy runs off of small business. 98%. That means that you know, when you see the big stores, the Walmarts, the Targets, you know, when you go inside those Walmarts and Targets, you know, Jay and I were just talking about the change in the economy. I got to ask this question the other day, and I think it's Macy's closing down 10,000 folks are losing jobs, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so think about the suppliers who sell to Macy's, right? The small business. Think about the folks who sell your products to Macy's. So they're not part of that 10,000. So you can imagine that number is really not 10,000. It's actually a whole lot more than that. But those are small businesses. So you think about how to avoid, you know, being laid off, how to avoid, you know, losing your job, how, invest in yourself. And investing in yourself starts with uh, spending time with a nonprofit. Uh, or if we heard the message last night to create an opportunity. 
Um, and I think that's, that's huge. So you can do that today. It doesn't cost much to do that, just a little bit of time. And I think you can make a difference. All right, well said. So I'll echo what these guys said. It's more about paying it forward than it is giving back. Uh, for us, there's a couple ways you can do that. We build a couple of nonprofit sites for free each year. That's fine. It's not something that we talk a lot about. It's just something that we do. I think the biggest way that anybody can give back, kind of to your point about mentoring, is giving your time to somebody, is going and finding some organization, whether it's kids who need help or uh, some disadvantaged group that needs help or entrepreneurs or church people, anybody. Find somebody that needs help that you can just give your time to and just provide some help, provide some support to them. It could be something professional where you're actually giving your professional knowledge away for free. That's fine, too. But there's a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunity out there just to go and give somebody a helping hand, and that's going to mean so much more to them, and you'll actually get more reward for it than any kind of just giving, writing a check to charity or, or showing up at a food shelter and, and spoon and soup. That stuff, it feels good, but it, it doesn't last. Give your time, give your knowledge away for free, because that's going to help somebody else more than anything else. All right, well said, and um, we got about five more minutes left. We want to field a couple of questions from the audience, and we're going to, um, one more time, let's, uh, for, especially for the podcast, we want to uh, let everyone know how we reach out to each of y'all, so give out your websites, all that good stuff. So, Elizabeth, uh, who do you have, and what's the question? So, I have a question from Kay Collins, and this is for any of you who ever feels um, the need to answer, but pretty much if your business is similar to anyone else's, how or what steps do you take to make yours stand out over anybody else's? So, and that's for anyone. What's your unique selling so, proposition, yes, right? Your exactly. USB. I'll take that. Uh, okay. For us, it's the people. Mm -hmm. We say we're a people-based company. It's the talent on the team that actually delivers results. Anybody can build a website with you know, some of the free tools that are out there, but understanding the real business problem behind it and the, and the insight and experience of the people is what makes it different. So I'm a lawyer. Every everybody knows a lawyer, right? And it's, it's a, it, and and you know. So what makes me different than other lawyers? There, sure, there are other lawyers out there that do business law. There are other business litigators out there. What's different is that my firm, my approach is, I want to know about you. I want to know about your business because my value add to you is based on what you're doing, not what I'm doing. I, I can I can make my product and service meld to you and what you need to do and that's I think really what you know everybody tries to do it and I'm, I'm very passionate about if I'm dealing with a business I really really want to know what you're doing not just you handed me a contract and I want to do a contract with Jim to be in the, in the marketing world I, I want you to tell me about what is it that you're doing what is it you're passionate about so that I can understand your passion and make the best effort to make my product work with your effort uh, another response with that is I think it's huge when you can actually involve uh, folks who are in your community inside your business and what I mean by that is you know right now at uh, Georgia State University we have a, a process that's going on called Panthers in the Valley where we're getting some of the top 20 students at Georgia State University and introducing them to Silicon Valley right very you know a great opportunity to have diversity inclusion just in one place and so if you and your business see that there's a need, right, and you see that there's a need, invite some folks over to be an intern in your business. And sometimes it's not paid. But, you know, come over to the university. I'd love to introduce you to some really bright students who can do some really good things. 
All right, we're going to uh, check and see if Elizabeth has, uh, or if you raise your hand if you have another question before we uh, wrap up here. We have a question for the panelist. Going once, going twice. I guess they got all the answers, apparently, yeah. All right, this gentleman right here, Elizabeth, uh, right on the front row right here. and uh, She's she's right there. She'll, yeah. Hey, how's it going? One, one problem that I have is how do you uh, market to, I'd say, competitors? Sometimes you want to sell things to competitors instead of just customers. How do you market to them instead of just the customers? I think it goes back to the value proposition. You've got to talk to the people and understand their pain point. Um, we've got a little trick that we use at the office called PDF. Identify the pain, sell them the dream, and then offer the fix. So if you can find a way to understand what their pain point is, you know, their unique pain point, and speak directly to that. I think what Sangram said at the very beginning is they flipped the conference around. It wasn't about selling a product. It was about understanding the problem. So if you can understand their problem and then show them that you empathize, that you really understand that problem, and you have an idea about how to fix it, they're more likely to trust you. Because um, in terms of acronyms, we'll give, I'll give you one more. Um, idea, right? So everybody got an idea, right? So it is the ideas for identify, like their mission, their problem, like what you said. Uh, ease to expand and engage, right? Which is really to focus on and figure out what is it that they want to really uh, try to solve the problem and give the right tools to them. And then the A part is the advocacy, right? You want to find you want to find people that actually believe in the problem, see the solution that you're creating, and introduce to them the referral process, the advocates that you have out there, and let them do the selling for you. So we don't try to once we started to find like which vertical we are really good at. Now we don't do the selling as much as we used to do before, where which was brute force. Now we say, hey, we actually know here are the five other companies like you that are using our product and they're seeing success. Here's a case study from them, and I'm happy to put you on a call with them. So they do the selling for you. So really have that idea mentality there. All right. Well said, uh, gentlemen. And as we uh, wrap up here, we want to, um, one more time, if you would, uh, let us know, especially for our podcast audience, of how folks would get in touch with you, your website and so forth. And if you, if you have something you want to share as far as what's next or an invitation uh, to uh, um, experience, have the funnel experience, or is that like a, at the fair where you get a cake funnel or what? <laughs> right? We have done that. <laughs> oh, yeah, have, yeah. Oh, I've already thought about that. Oh, I was going to jump on the acronym uh, bandwagon. It's not really an acronym. It's just three initials. People get those too confused. But have you ever heard of this? A business coach gave this one time uh, many years ago. It says, uh, it's called the BFO. Anybody heard of this one? Sometimes it's just the blinding flash of the obvious. <laughs> right, yeah. All right, so um, uh, one more time, if you will, uh, share your at least how website point of contact, um, as well as if there's something you want to announce, event, or an invitation. Jay? Uh, you can find us at ninelabs.com, N-I-N-E-L-A-B-S.com. You can find me if you're on Twitter. I'm JC, just the letter J, letter C on Twitter. Um, hit me up either way. I'm happy to chat about anything that, that you think about afterwards. Uh, you can also find me uh, easy on Twitter at Cash's Butts, and you can also find me at my website, cfbadvisors.co, not com, but .co. Um, and also at Georgia State, uh, you can uh, find me at, uh, what is it, Rich? CFB1. That works, GSG. yeah, yeah. CFB1. Just stop GSG. by the campus and say hi. Yeah, He'll buy you a coffee, yeah. Um, uh, you can go to Terminus.com to learn more about Terminus. Uh, if you want to flip some funnels, you go to FlipMyFunnel.com. You'll learn more about it there. Uh, you can probably find me more often than not on Twitter uh, at Sangram Vajray. I'm sure nobody can spell that, 
but I'm sure that information will be broadcasted later. Uh, I outsource Twitter, so don't look for me there. But it's at Entrepreneur Jim. I prefer LinkedIn. I'll accept all LinkedIn requests. Jim Beach. And the radio show is schoolforstartupsradio.com. And my law firm's website is dmqlaw.com, and you can find me on Twitter at Matthew Theory. And Matthew, one of your USPs is, what, 47 years now? Yeah, we've it, been in the same, the same location in Buckhead, yeah. Same location in Buckhead. Yeah. So that, you got you to buy into that. All right, so I um, want to thank everyone for being here. Grant's going to have a couple of uh, closing comments, and we're going to roll right into uh, the event for this evening, which is the co-founders matchup, a uh, chance for all of you all to connect and um, get to know each other, learn about businesses, and hopefully make some uh, business happen uh, as part of the Co-Founders Lab. So, uh, Grant? How's everybody doing? You guys doing okay? Enjoying yourselves? Are you enjoying yourselves? Okay, good. That's, uh, that's my job. My name, again, is Grant Hill. I'm, I'm the event coordinator here uh, for Poe Business Events. I um, just want to give a special shout-out to WeWork once again for allowing us to host another great event, another Co-Founders event here. Let's give it up one more time for our panelists. Thank you guys for being here. We really appreciate you. Sangram, I like your shirt. I like your shirt. Um, um, I, re I personally really appreciate you all coming out here tonight. Um, this is part of my internship job, you know. Um, so all these happy faces and all these beautiful faces, I like to see those in the building. Um, can you hear me? No. Okay. Um, closer to the mic. Um, uh, everything that you see here today, um, from the mics to the sound system to these awesome wireless mics to the the panelists to the all of this is part of pro business events. This is what we do. We put on events for you to come and network and and to meet new people. And I, we're very happy to say that this is now mobile. We can take this anywhere you would like to take this. If you have an event idea that you want to do, just come and talk to us, and we can. Plan it from point A to all the way to Z, and we'll get you. We'll get you there. Um, I just want to say thank you again for everybody. Uh, if you want to learn any more about our events, go to probusinessevents.com. Come find me at the end of the night if you want to uh, learn a little bit more about that. And if you have an event, come find me. Okay. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Co-Founders Podcast, brought to you in part by WeWork, the world's largest network of co-working spaces. More info at WeWork.com and the Pro Business Channel, uploading the future. More info at ProBusinessChannel.com. Use the social media links here to share this show. To submit a guest request or listen to more episodes, visit CoFoundersPodcast.com.